Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate teen mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello, dear friends. Welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. How lovely it is to see you all here. I've missed you so. Good morning. I'm recording this Saturday morning at a time that I normally do not record podcasts. Also, as I think I've talked about, um, I record now at my dad's apartment because he and my stepmom go to the shore on the weekends. And I just looked out and I think my dad has an ashtray with cigarette butts in it, but he doesn't smoke cigarettes. So I'm a little confused as to what's going on. Anyway, literally no one cares about that. How are we? Are we good? I'm well this week. This week was the season finale. What the fuck? Time flies. So here's my thing. Uh, I think I read that it was only like 13 episodes and last season got like 15 episodes before reunion. I think that they ran out of shit to film without Janelle. I think that because Janelle was essentially not filming, uh, we all know that Janelle carries this show and they had to recut, like they had to totally recut everything. Now, what's going to happen if Janelle does not come back next season? Like, I think she will not. I don't know. They might bring in Mac McKee. They may bring in some fucking total rando. If they bring in a rando over Mac McKee, I'm going to be so mad. Mac McKee will fit in perfectly on Team Mom 2. They've already brought in Brianna. I think they really like the five girl story uh, arc. That's not right. But they like having five girls, obviously, because they're about to do that on Team Mom OG 2. Team Mom OG 2. That sounds funny. Team Mom OG as well. So I think it's just what they want. So I think that if Janelle does not come back, they will bring in another girl. Although they've started filming, so I guess we would have already heard that. I don't know. I don't have an answer. But I do think that they'll be able to figure out um, more episodes next season if Janelle is never filming. I think that they relied on... I think I read... I'm pretty sure David got fired with like six weeks left of filming, which is a long time because they don't actually film for that long. I think they only film for like five months and if you're not filming for one and a half months that cuts out a lot of storyline so they were dependent on David and Janelle giving them six more weeks of storyline and because they did not get that I think they were unable to edit together more episodes that were worth watching now that's a shame but also I'm kind of into it I'm really hoping Team Emoji just started filming I think in the last month So I am really hoping and praying that we're going to get a break, a break. Please, dear God, give us a break in between uh, Team Mom 2 and Team Mom OG. We have not had, for the last like four seasons, they've been back to back to back to back. Now, why do I want a break? Because I think you guys know I love recapping old episodes. I love recapping 16 and Pregnant. I think it'll be so fun if we can get like a full month off and I can get like four good episodes in. I would love to bring in people who necessarily don't watch Teen Mom, who don't necessarily watch Teen Mom, 
and have them recap a 16 and pregnant episode with me. I'm trying to work out that with a very popular podcaster, popular to me and others, I think. If you listen to this podcast, you probably listen to hers. Um, I've also like shot in the dark, reached out to people. And I just would love to be able to watch these one-off 16 and pregnant episodes and bring in people that don't have to be fans of the show. Because here's the thing, and I think I've made this pretty obvious with the guests that I've had on Feathers in My Hair in the last two years, is that I'm only going to bring on people who are fans of Teen Mom. I personally hate listening to a podcast, like, recap show if the per- if the guest that's brought on is not a fan of this show. I need somebody on Feathers in My Hair who has knowledge that is, I mean, look, can't expect everybody to have a PhD in teen mom history. That's fine. But I need the people at least to have a very deep working knowledge of teen mom too, even if they're not necessarily like big uh, fans of what's going on on the social media and the internet. They at least like have watched a show and watch all the episodes of the show because that's what I like to hear when I listen to Teen Mom, when I listen to Teen Mom, when I listen to podcasts, and that's what I expect my guests. So I would love to be able to get some people on this show that have not that have not watched Teen Mom but are funny people. I also really want to do at least one episode from, I believe it's season five, season four or season five of Teen Mom 2 when Nathan comes in. Like, I am dying to recap (laughs) Janelle. (laughs) I can't even talk about it without laughing. I'm dying to recap Janelle not knowing if she's pregnant or if it's abortion leftovers giving her positive pregnancy test. Like, that's iconic. Early Nathan stuff is so iconic in the teen mom world. I've not rewatched it in so many years. So I'm really hoping that I'm going to be able to get in there and talk about some good, like, season four, season five, uh, please feel free to tweet at me. You can tweet at my personal account, which is bent, B-E-N-T underscore L-E-Y, or at my feathers and my hair account, which is E-B-P underscore feathers. And let me know if you have a certain podcaster you would like to come on, tag them in the tweet so I can contact them. Obviously, don't harass anyone to do a 16 and pregnant, or if you have things that you like really are dying for me to recap. Now I can't promise that I'm going to be able to do any of this because we don't know when Team Emoji is coming back because MTV likes to keep us in the dark until the very last minute. Oh, MTV. So what's the big news this week? Nathan filed for custody of Kaiser. He filed for full custody. Now, do I think it's good that he's making active steps to get his son? I do. Uh, I think I've very much said that I do not think Nathan is the right person to have Kaiser, and I think it is crazy that he thinks he's going to get full custody of Kaiser. I find that very, very unlikely. As everybody knows, I think, Nathan only has supervised visits right now with Kaiser, and Nathan lives in Florida. Nathan lives a 10-plus hour drive away from Kaiser's entire life. I... I just find it hard to believe that a judge is not only going to grant Nathan full custody with supervised visits going to Janelle, but that they are going to take Kaiser away from the entire life that he knows and send him down to Florida. I just, I don't see that happening. I think realistically what's going to happen is that Nate is going to get moved to unsupervised visits because he hasn't had any more arrests or issues with the law since 
the supervised visits happened. Oh, wait, I think he might have gotten arrested for, like, hitting something and driving away. I don't know if he got arrested for that. I would have to double check that. But he, it was a non-serious offense, although... In my opinion, Nate was probably driving drunk and hit something and drove away so he wouldn't get another DUI. But I do think that Nathan will most likely be granted unsupervised visits and he will be granted a uh, custody schedule that allows for Kaiser to visit him in Florida. I know his daughter, who is a little older than Kaiser, I think she's maybe seven. Kaiser's four. She's probably seven because I think she was like two when Janelle and Nate got together. She's like seven or eight. Uh, her name is Emery, and it's Emery, right? Or Emerson. I think it's Emery. Now I'm doubting myself, but I'm pretty sure it's Emery. Uh, I think Emery seems to go to Florida to visit Nate for like a week at a time here and there. Pretty rarely. Nate only seems to see Emery like maybe six times a year. He's not very active in her life. Uh, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for his daughter, he's not very active. And I just, I, I just think that he will get unsupervised visits and he'll be able to bring Kaiser to Florida, but it's not going to be that often because here's the reality. Nate lives far away from his son. And I just, I would be very surprised if a judge is like, oh yeah, you can definitely go from supervised visits to full 100% primary and legal, physical and legal custody, as well as you move out of the jurisdiction of this court, which means in six months to a year, probably, I think it's usually six months, our court will no longer even have jurisdiction over this child, but you can just take him to Florida and peace be with you. I just, I don't think that's happening. I think that seems very unlikely. I think it would have made more sense if he asked for 50-50 custody. But also at the same time, like, Nate can't have 50-50 custody because Nate lives in Florida. And this is the thing. This is why I know that Nate is not serious about the best interest of his child because the only reason he lives in Florida is for his girlfriend. That's the only reason. He's been with this girl for less than a year and a half. I think they got together, like, last June. Um... And he, I mean, he hasn't even been with this girl for two years. There's no reason he needs to be living in Florida with her. I feel like it would look much better for a job if Nathan got a place in South Carolina near his mom, which I think is only about an hour, less than two hours away from where Janelle is. Because obviously Kaiser goes over to Doris's, I think twice a month. Um, If he got a place, I would think getting a place near his mom would be the best because his mom has been the one that has been Kaiser's weekend parent, essentially Kaiser's whole life. It would be best if he lived near his mom, he got a regular job, even if it's just like a trainer in the gym. Now, Nate does get money from being a disabled vet, but I I don't think he gets 100%, so I'm pretty sure he is able to work, and I think that would look good for a judge. If he got a stable home, that was not his girlfriend's home and tried to show a judge that he wants to give Kaiser the best thing that Kaiser can have. Do any of us think that moving Kaiser to Florida is in his best interest? No. Nate has never raised a child. His girlfriend, Ashley, has never raised a child. 
they don't know what they're doing to take on care of a three a very active i think he's four he just turned four right to take on care of a very active three or four year old however kaiser is full time is a lot i think it's very unfair to kaiser that his primary caregiver would then be nate's girlfriend because we know nate's not gonna do it somebody that nate's not married to that isn't possibly not a permanent fixture in his life in the court documents it said something about like kaiser having a substantial relationship with nate's girlfriend which like lol kaiser probably met her eight times his entire life (laughs) like it it just seems cruel the idea of moving kaiser so far away now if nate was living near doris i would be like okay well doris will do most of the caregiving it will be, like, Doris is the one that's essentially getting custody. They're just getting him away from Janelle. And I don't think that's what's happening. I don't know. We'll see. I'm definitely interested in seeing. I'm interested in seeing what <sighs> what uh, Janelle's petition back to the court is. Because, you know, Nate mentions in his, like, all of her legal issues, et cetera, et cetera. But Nate has a lot of legal issues, too. And Nate has substance abuse problems, too. So the drama queen in me can't wait to see it. Now, that's all that happened this week. It was, oh, also, Farah is supposedly having some sort of boxing match in Atlantic City in November. And I live about an hour and a half away from Atlantic City. And as soon as they release where to get tickets, I'm going to this boxing match. I've already lined up my dates. I am hyped now will there actually be a boxing match probably not so i'm gonna buy the tickets on my credit card so i can easily dispute them when she cancels but i am definitely going to make my best effort to go to Ferris celebrity boxing match in person <laughs> she said she's like boxing to end bullying i truly don't know what that means but here we are and i can't wait okay I want to this week start with Chelsea. Now, shocking. I know. Have I ever wanted to start with Chelsea? (sighs) I was fucking enraged by Chelsea this week. (laughs) First of all, I want to read as I don't know if you guys know this, but Chelsea right now is talking this diet plan that I think is actually considered like a pretty legitimate diet company. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm not that interested in diet companies. Maybe I should be, but I'm not. And Chelsea posted something yesterday that's like, it's hashtag National Breastfeeding Week. And as my due date gets closer, I'm preparing myself for everything that breastfeeding demands, including nutrition. Profile Sanford will not only customize my plan to support a healthy supply, but allow me to get back to my pre-baby weight at an appetite rate that I can maintain, at an appropriate rate that I can maintain. No matter what season of life you're in, Profile can help you. My followers can use the link to get blah, 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 blah. I hate this. I really hate the idea that we are marketing weight loss supplements because this is what that is, to fucking moms that are breastfeeding. Chelsea is, I don't know. I don't know. And then Chelsea will get on Twitter and be like, why are people being mean to me about my diet? And it's like, because you're shilling a fucking weight loss 
you're shilling a diet. Like, you're getting paid to do this. You're going to get criticism from it. This is what drives me nuts about Chelsea. If you guys go on her Twitter, which I suggest you do, go and read the negative stuff that she replies to. She takes this... First of all, she probably gets thousands of comments a day about how fucking amazing she is and how everybody loves her and loves Coley Daddy and loves Aubrey and Watson and can't wait for their new baby. And everybody's, like, fucking obsessed with Aubrey, Aubrey, with Chelsea. But she'll get, like, she'll see one negative comment that's, like, (laughs) your birthday party for Watson looks stupid. And she goes off on a rant. And it's, I just will never understand the things that she chooses to respond to. And... A lot of people are mad about her using National Breastfeeding Week to shill her diet products. And I agree. I think it's gross. I think it's tacky. And I don't like it. I really, really, really don't like it. Also, like, people are pointing out, like, you're selling supplements and they just contain crap. Like, you're not even shilling, like, just, like, eat healthy and right. You're shilling, like, fucking vanilla nut capsules or some shit. So, anyway... That's my Chelsea rant about that. And I was glad to see her getting backlash because I thought it was tacky for her to do. I'm all about, like, if you want to take vitamins and if you want to be on a diet while you're breastfeeding, like, that's cool. I just have an issue with Chelsea specifically advertising weight loss supplements and diets to breastfeeding women. I just think it's tacky. And honestly, I'm the type of person who, like, really doesn't give a fuck about, like, you sell your fit tea like, I don't know. I There's just something extra tacky about it that I can't fully describe. And if this was, if it was just Chelsea, like, doing a diet plan that had nothing to do with, like, breastfeeding, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, you sell your supplements, girlfriend. Um, I mean, let's be real. The diet industry is huge, and it makes a lot of money, and it's definitely ripe for Instagram ad money. But I just don't like that she's targeting breastfeeding moms in this way and using hashtag national breastfeeding week which is to destigmatize breastfeeding to sell it okay so this week aubrey is going to grandma donna's house and chelsea and cole are riding around in the car and they get chelsea basically gets a text message from someone that is a picture of aubrey and donna excuse me aubrey and adam and they're like when the fuck is that from And they realize it's from this weekend and that Adam posted it. And Cole is, I would say, livid for him. That's, like, the most angry we've ever seen him. He's cursing up a storm. And Chelsea's like, what the fuck? I'm sending this to my lawyer. Which, like, 100%. That's, I, I'm, like, so in agreement with Chelsea here. It must be infuriating. They have a very clear court case. They're getting ignored. Court order, not court case. They're getting ignored. Grandma Donna is not respecting the court order. Of course you would send that to your lawyer. I think anybody in that situation would send it to the lawyer. And I think, and I agree with Chelsea here, is that she doesn't know if, like, the Lynn's are, they genuinely don't think that Adam has done anything wrong, or if they don't care And they don't think Chelsea is going to do anything to enforce the order. And I did think that was an interesting, an interesting, like, conundrum that she's in because I wonder the same thing. I think that the Lynn's, I don't know, I have a lot of problems with, like, the amount of hate that the Lynn's are getting. And I think I've gone from, like, being very supportive of them on here to being very harsh about them. 
But for me, it's just, we don't know anything about the Lynns. We don't know how Adam acts in front of them. I think what they've said to Taylor, Paisley's mom, and Chelsea have, have been shitty. And it's shitty that they cannot be trusted to follow the court order. But I don't think that's, like, very unique to parents of addicts, unfortunately. They are not the first people to enable their children, and they won't they won't be the last. And it's just so hard for me to give an honest and accurate opinion on the lens because I just feel like it's a little unfair because we don't know anything about them. We only see it from Chelsea's perspective. We don't know how Adam is when he's around them. We don't know what Adam tells them. We we don't know literally anything about the lens. So it's hard. I just don't like to sit here and be like, those people are assholes. Because it just, it seems unfair. They're not on TV to defend themselves. And I can't imagine being in the position of the lens where your shithead son gets somebody pregnant. And then you have to spend the next 10 years of your life being part of a storyline that you didn't fucking sign up for. (laughs) I would be so mad. As somebody that has no interest in being on reality TV at all, I can't imagine if one of my family members or close friends went on reality TV and I was like, no, I'm not signing that release. I'm not coming on. But I was still made a storyline and I was presented as the villain. So now you're in this position where it's like, okay, well, do we come on the show and defend ourselves or do we just kind of let ourselves be portrayed as the villain? And honestly, I do think the Lynns are making the right decision by not coming on the show and defending themselves. I think it makes more sense to just let MTV kind of portray them however they want because we all know that coming on the show and defending yourself like rarely ever works in reality TV. If anything, people being on camera makes them almost always look worse, especially if they're coming in, (laughs) if they're already the villains and we have not been watching them for years and years so we have any sort of established backstory with them. I can't imagine, like, how much it would just get dragged. And as of now, at least, like, their faces aren't recognizable. Yeah, their last name is Lynn, but I think you would have to be, like, an active fan of the show to recognize that. But I think if you saw, like, let's say Mimi, Jen, or Larry, you saw them in public, you'd be like, oh, shit, those are parents from Teen Mom. But, like, if you just heard the last name Edwards, you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely the parents from Teen Mom. I So, I don't know, I... I do emphasize, emphasize, I'm I'm all messed up this morning. I think I say it every time I record that I'm all messed up. But I do definitely sympathize with the Lynns that they're in a very difficult position. Now, let me phrase this correctly. The Lynns are in the wrong. They should absolutely not allow Adam to see Aubrey or Paisley against the court order. They should absolutely not come at Taylor or Chelsea or Cole or whoever and tell them they're in the wrong. They should not be enabling their son. They're in the wrong about a lot of stuff that I will not defend them on. But what I do think must be just very difficult is how they are essentially main characters on a show that they're not on, don't want to be on, and want nothing fucking to do with. And they're not getting the Teen Mom check. You have to remember that as well. Like, when I sit on here and I roast Jen and Larry for just, like, enabling the shit out of Ryan and making tons of bad decisions, I don't feel that bad about it because Jen and Larry are collecting a paycheck. 
yes, they're real people. Of course, I need to be considerate of that. They're not TV characters, as I often like to think of my teen moms. I know, I know I'm problematic. But the reality is, is that at least they're collecting a check from this. And I would assume Jen and Larry at this point are collecting a substantial check from this. As I think Princess and I discussed last week in our 19-hour-long podcast, (laughs) which my friend Katie, who I'm sure will listen to this eventually, sent me a text uh, the other day that's like, I've been trying to listen to your podcast for like five days, and she was still not through with it. (laughs) Um. But yeah, so at least Jen and Larry are getting a check. The Lynns, on the other hand, are just getting roasted and raked over the coals without any sort of monetary compensation, and they're truly in a lose-lose position. Now, of course, we could say if the Lynns would just follow the court order, we probably wouldn't hear about them. Sure, but people aren't perfect. People fuck up. Custody situations are messy. Addiction is messy. Being the parent or loved one of an addict is extremely messy. And we all make mistakes. And to have that play out on TV in a way that you are so far from removed from, I, I truly can't imagine that. And I, part of me wishes the lens would come on because I think that would humanize them a little bit. I think it's easy for the fandom to just think they're like evil monsters because they're not even human to us they aren't even real people that we know um so i do think i don't know they're in a weird sad position so i do feel for the lens however they need to get their shit together so chelsea emails her lawyer picture and basically her lawyer sends grandma donna in a letter email whatever laying out the court order and being like we don't want to have to go back to court, but if you keep letting Adam see Aubrey, like, we are going to go to court and we're going to terminate your visits. Chelsea says that she doesn't like to feel taken advantage of, which I thought was, like, not, I don't know. I thought that was, like, a weird choice because I don't think it should be about Chelsea, but, you know, nobody's perfect. And then brought up the really good point of Aubrey came home and was apparently really confused because Aubrey has been told by Chelsea and Cole that the only time that she's going to be allowed to see her dad is if it's at the visitation center and that her dad is sick and that he's not doing well and it's for Aubrey's safety and that Adam is not allowed to be at Grandma Donna's house when Aubrey is there. And Aubrey is like eight or I think she's turning nine next month. Like Aubrey is absolutely old enough to understand what's going on. So she comes home from grandma donna's house wildly confused apparently we find out because chelsea goes to her mom's to talk we find out that aubrey was concerned that grandma donna would get arrested (laughs) for breaking the law like that's really sad and aubrey said grandma knows i'm not supposed to see him and i i really do think that's like very very sad and it's very unfair of the lens to put aubrey in that position and they need to get their shit together now (sighs) at least Chelsea does acknowledge that Aubrey will be devastated if she doesn't get to see the lens anymore. I was glad to hear her say that. So we get this quick voiceover that they weren't supposed to film today, but something crazy just happened. So she goes over to Mandy's hotel to talk about it, Mandy being her producer. And, okay, this is what enraged me. This made me so fucking angry. 
Grandma Donna comes to the house and knocks on the door. Chelsea, I guess, Cole's taking a shit. Chelsea doesn't have pants on, which, like, you mean to tell me in Chelsea's messy-ass house that she didn't have a pair of pants and a laundry basket somewhere on the first floor that she could easily put on or that she could, like, open the door crack and be like, hold on, I gotta put on pants. Chelsea is, as she says, she's too scared to open the door to talk to Grandma Donna. Now, this is Aubrey's grandmother. God, this makes me so mad. She won't pick, and Cole takes so long to come out of the bathroom because he's taking a shit. By the time that Cole gets out of the bathroom, Grandma Donna is left. So Cole gives her a call, and Donna profusely apologizes. She says that she had not really realized the extent of the custody agreement, that they were totally in the wrong, that, like, the whole family was there, so they just, like, didn't think it'd be a big deal because he was obviously going to be supervised. She promises it will absolutely never happen again. She basically eats shit so that she can still have time with her granddaughter and does the exact right thing. She apologizes, she's accountable, and she guarantees that it will never happen again. Chelsea is such a fucking baby. Grow the fuck up, Chelsea. How old is she? She's like 26 years old. She can't open the fucking door for Grandma Donna. Now, even if, even if she opened the door and Grandma Donna started yelling at her, so fucking what? Grow the fuck up. Grow the fuck up. If she had opened the door, what, what, Grandma Donna was going to pull a Janelle and pull a gun out on her? No. The worst thing that would have happened is that Grandma Donna would have yelled at her. For Chelsea to say she was scared to open the door is the most infuriating shit to me. Open the fucking door. If Donna starts to yell, you know what you say? Donna, this is really inappropriate and I'm not going to be yelled at by you. I really appreciate it if you left and we might have to modify our custody agreement, unfortunately, because it's clear that you cannot handle this. And shut the fucking door. You're in your house. You're in your house. But Chelsea's such a baby who's been coddled by her mom, by her dad, by her husband, by MTV her entire fucking life that she can't open the fucking door and let Grandma Donna say her piece. I don't give a fuck. Even if Donna was going to scream at her, Chelsea could have listened to her scream for two minutes and then told her to leave. Like every adult in the entire world has ever dealt with. If you are such a baby that you cannot open the door because you're scared someone's going to yell at you, you should go to therapy and deal with your shit because you are not an active member of this society. I cannot. I have such little sympathy for people who are so terrified of confrontation. You need to work on that shit. And if I'm offending you, I'm not that sorry. Because as adults and as human beings in society, like, you need to be able to deal with people who are upset with you. That's how life works. And her not having, not answering the door, she was going to make Cole answer the door, and then she makes Cole call is the same shit Janelle does. That's her security blanket. I'm getting, I'm fucking clapping. I'm getting so worked up right now. She, she has Cole handle anything hard that's in her life. What's she going to do when Cole's not there one day? It's so, and Chelsea gets called goals. She's a strong mom. I wouldn't answer the door either. Like, 
that's her family member that's outside. <laughs> like, I don't answer the door for strangers who come, but if a family member comes knocking on my door, I answer the fucking door. I don't know. I just, I found this so infuriating, and it's the same shit Janelle does, but because Cole, or because, like, Cole and Chelsea are, I mean, Cole and Chelsea are good people, and I'm not saying that David and Janelle are comparable to Chelsea and Cole. Because obviously they're not. Cole and David are so far apart. Although, you know, who knows what Cole's personal opinions on gay people and people of color are. I'll just leave it there. Um, Obviously, Cole is so different from David. I would never even dream of actually comparing them. But the way that Chelsea leans on her husband to do the most basic fucking things in life is pathetic. It's sad. And I'll see people online defend it. Like, well, she just has bad anxiety. She doesn't like to leave her house or, like, deal with people. And it's like, then Chelsea should go to therapy. (laughs) Like, that's not healthy. That's not a healthy way to live. I am so grateful to not be a person that can't open my fucking door unless I have a husband opening it for me. How does Chelsea get through life? Actually, I know she gets through life. Either her daddy or her husband deals with it. I don't know. That's very sad to me. Chelsea is raising, she'll soon have two daughters. What example she's setting for them. And the most infuriating part is that Donna's apologizing. Donna, I cannot imagine how fucking infuriating it is. Donna goes to her house. She wants to apologize. She wants to make nice. Chelsea refuses to answer the door and then has her husband call her back. If I was Donna, I'd be like, I want to apologize, but I'm apologizing to Chelsea, not to Cole, because Cole doesn't have anything to do with this. I want to speak to Chelsea. I wonder when the last time that Donna and Chelsea have had a conversation. Because at the court, Chelsea refused to talk to her, which is why I defended Donna when Donna told Chelsea to grow up, because I fucking agree with her. And at this, Chelsea's refusing to talk to her. Chelsea's like, I think this is only like the first or second time that they've accepted any sort of blame. And it's like, Yeah, because you won't talk to them to accept any sort of blame. (laughs) God, I just, it just really, it's sad and it's infuriating to me that Chelsea gets to get away with this shit. And she's seen as like the victor in this situation because Donna like apologized to Cole. Also, if Janelle had did this, people would be losing their goddamn shit. Why didn't she answer the door? Why does she need her husband to answer the door? Why would she have her husband call? Bah, 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 bah. But because it's Chelsea, it's like totally fine, healthy, normal, exactly what I would do. No, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And I think it's beautiful and lovely that Donna apologized. I think she genuinely probably is struggling and maybe did not understand the seriousness of the situation And I think it's really great that she took accountability. Did it take a lawyer emailing? Yeah, but at the same time, like, you can say, like, well, the lawyer emailed her and told her. But Chelsea could have sent Donna a text and been like, Donna, Adam cannot be there. And if he continues to be there, I'm going to have to talk to my lawyer and we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to restrict visits. And I'm sorry, but that's how it's going to happen. I'm sure it would have been the same result. But Chelsea is so terrified of any sort of confrontation, even when she's in the fucking right. Ugh. Rant over. Chelsea girl, grow the fuck up. So is it just me or did Kale have a boring season? Although, apparently we're going to get to see Brittany drag Kale by her hair at the reunion. 
And I'm going to have a lot of opinions on that, and I can't wait, because Kale's a shit talker. And look, do I support violence? No, of course not. None of these women should be fighting. But if you're going to fucking walk around talking about how you're going to beat someone up and corner them in a private room, and then their sister wants to defend them, well, yeah, don't be a fucking idiot and try and, like, go after somebody whose sister's there. Ugh, Kale drives me nuts. Yeah, I thought her season was pretty boring. The only entertaining moments are when she was fighting with Javi and Bray. She really didn't have anything going on on herself. I think it's hard because Chris doesn't film, so we don't really get to see the Chris drama. But basically, they agree, Joe and Kale agree to 50-50 custody. By the way, I forgot Kale had that pink hair for a minute. Oh, God, did that look bad on camera. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with MTV's lighting, but it's not great. It's really, he did not look, he, he did not look, she did not look good at all with that pink hair. I was not, not a fan of that at all. I'm really not a fan of, um, I feel like I'm just going to offend people left and right today because somebody's listening is going to be like, that's exactly how my hair looks. Not a huge fan of like having an, your natural hair color and then just adding like pink to the bottom of it. I don't know. It, it always looks weird. The bright color rarely f- blends well with your natural hair color. Kate is a big victim of this. Like if you're going to have pink hair or whatever color hair, like fucking go for it. Bleach the shit out of your hair ruin your hair and make it look sick. I love an unnaturally colored hair. Like I love a teal or a pink or a purple, but I just don't like it when you can see the natural color with it. So Kale says that she didn't want to agree to 50-50, but they live in a 50-50 state. Joe is actively involved. So why shouldn't they have 50-50? It was about as mature as Kale could possibly get. I did find it funny that her, she's like, well, we live in a 50-50 state. Like, (laughs) I did find it funny that that, she admits that's why she's agreeing to this. I thought it would have been nice if Kale could have had a moment where she's talking to Bone and she says, well, Joe is an extremely active father. He loves Isaac. Isaac loves him. Why shouldn't Isaac be with his dad 50% of the time? That's what's healthy for Isaac. I'm really grateful to have Joe and V in Isaac's life. And I really, you know, especially considering how absent Chris has been, it's just really made me reflect on how mature Joe is, how well we get along, how nice this is for our child. And I feel pretty grateful that Isaac has a dad like Joe. Does it suck that I have to give up more time? Of course. And she does say this, like, I just, she's like, I just think it'd be hard for any mom or dad that had primary custody of a child their entire life to then agree to 50-50, which 100% agree with. I totally got where Kale was coming from, but I did think it was pretty, not fucked up, but it was a missed opportunity that Kale didn't take a moment to explain that 50-50 custody was well-deserved and beneficial for Isaac, and it had nothing to do with the state. (laughs) She just, like, casually mentions, like, well, why shouldn't he have 50-50? And, you know, we live in a 50-50 state. I just think, like, I don't know. I I wish Kale was just a little more mature. <sighs> so we get a really annoying scene of Javi coming over to Kale's house and apologizing for what? I don't know. Basically blaming everything on Brie. <laughs> this drives me nuts. So Kale 
says Javi's coming over to fill her in on what happened in Miami. Which, like, why is Javi filling Kaylin on shit? Like, they're not best friends. They don't... They are so messy and complicated. I bet they had sex again when he came over after Miami. So, Javi says he was, like... That Roxanne accused him of using her just for a storyline. And Kale makes a face like, what? Even though literally Kale said the same exact shit. This is why Kale's such a fucking hypocrite. She's like, makes a face like, how could Roxanne even suggest that? When like four fucking episodes again, Kale was like, Javi only wants to be there because the cameras are around all season long. All Kale did and her friends was talk shit about how Javi wants to be on camera and how he's so different when cameras are there. And then she, like, makes a face like, I can't believe Roxanne would even dare to suggest that. Like, you said it. We all got this idea from you personally. (sighs) God. So, Kale is like, well, was Devon there? And Javi says that he didn't even care about Devon being there and that... You know, he was just mad about Roxanne, which I guess is good because it was stupid if he... Although that's not true because he fucking tweeted about, like, being mad that Devon was there. But whatever. And Kale says, she's like, so you went to Miami to take care of some bitch that doesn't give a fuck about you? What does... (sighs) Okay. Going to Miami was stupid. And I think we can all agree with that. But I don't think... It, was be- it wasn't stupid because Brie doesn't give a fuck about him. I think Brie has always cared about Javi. It was stupid because Javi had no real intentions of making it work with Brianna except 100% on his terms, as he made it clear when he said, I have somebody else that's willing to move to Delaware. He made it so clear that those were the only terms in which Brie and Javi would be together if, they were, if she was moving to Delaware and she was going to marry him and she was going to have his baby right away. So for Kale to be like, you went for some bitch that doesn't give a fuck about you, I never got the impression that Kale didn't give a fuck about Javi. I think, excuse me, that Brie didn't give a fuck about Javi. I never got that impression. I always got the impression that Brie was just trying to have, like, a normal relationship and not rush into everything so fucking fast. I just find Kale infuriating when she talks about Brianna. (laughs) Because it's so hypocritical, it's so insane it's kale trying to control a situation which has absolutely nothing to do with her i think kale has every right to be angry and that might be controversial but if i'm kale and i'm on this weird fucking show here's the thing i know it's easy to be like brianna's not even really kale's co-worker but like she is and she's not even a co-worker she's in this very very small minuscule world that they live in That is so unique to them and it affects so few people. So for Javi, if I'm Kale and then Javi starts dating Brie, like I would absolutely be pissed. And I think she has every right to be pissed, which is why I was always mad when Brie would pretend like she didn't understand when Kale was mad. But as I said before, like bitch about that to your friends. Don't do it on camera and give them the satisfaction and don't then pretend like it is anything but jealousy that somebody's with your ex-husband and that it upsets you because that's your ex-husband like kale would never even want to admit that that she's just like no i just don't like her she's trashy she's jerry springer i don't want her around my kids etc 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 
she would be a little honest and she would say stuff like Javi's only doing this for a storyline. He just wants cameras and that would make me mad too. But I just felt like Kale was never willing to be like, yeah, this pisses me off because that's my ex-husband and Brianna's somebody that I considered a friend and it's shitty for your friend to date your ex-husband unless that did happen and I've just blacked it out. But I don't think it did. I think Kale has never been upfront about like her true feelings and why she really acted the way that she acted. And I mean, I think we all know, although I'm not sure if Kale could identify this, is that she hated that Javi was dating someone in which she had no control over and she's always been able to control Javi's storyline on the show and Javi being with Brie gives him a storyline that has little to do with her and he gets attention that Kale has no say over because if Kale quits the show like Javi's off the show and I think that's always something that she's been able to hold over Javi's head and if Javi's with Brianna then like he doesn't need Kale anymore he doesn't need to come around Kale for camera time And he doesn't need to suck up to Kale so that he'll get more scenes. And I think that really infuriated Kale because Kale's a control freak and wants to control everybody in her life because she's the adult child of an alcoholic. And that's what adult child of alcoholics do often. Javi also apologizes to Kale, which is Kale's kink. Why doesn't Kale just stop dating men and just become a full-time dominatrix? I mean, that's what she wants, right? (laughs) Should I suggest... Should we all tweet at Kale suggesting she becomes a dominatrix? Just kidding. Absolutely do not do that, please. I am very anti-tweeting at or interacting with the teen moms in my old age. I don't like that. But Javi's like, I have to date a girl who likes you and needs to have a good relationship with you, which is very frustrating because he facilitated none of that with Bray. If he had wanted them to have a good relationship, I think it could have gone a lot better. I don't know. I think it's for the best that Brie and Javi are not together. Mostly for Brie's sake. Because you guys know I'm a Brie fan. I know. I know. Everybody hates Brie and her trashy-ass family. But I like them. I find them interesting. I think they add something new to the show. So let's go to Brie, but we'll do it after a five-second break. Okay, so who else loves Dre, Brianna's ex-boyfriend? I thought he was wonderful. I think Brianna should marry Dre. Although, I don't know, was he straight? He gave me not straight vibes. But that just might be me projecting because he seemed to understand emotions. And I expect so little of straight men that I'm like, wow, he must be gay. Because he, like, understood how to have an emotional conversation. So, Brianna's whole family is still there, of course, and they have not heard from Javi. Devon is cute, and he's playing with Stella, and Devon is like, so what happened with Javi? (laughs) Is he coming back? And Roxanne's like, well, I thought he was coming back. And Brie was like, okay, Roxanne, you know he's not coming back. Like, you know that's not true. And Brie actually gives it to Roxanne. She's like, look, I don't care if what you said was true. You shouldn't have said it to him. It was inappropriate. Roxanne's like, so you want me to get him back here? And Bree's like, he's not coming back. He's gone. And Roxanne is like, please, if I text him, you know he'll be back here in two minutes, which, true. But I appreciated that Bree was standing up to her mom because she was right. Roxanne was in the right, but she didn't necessarily need to go off on Avi like that then and there. So Bree's apparently really mad that Devon is there. And I get it. I think she just didn't get a say in it at all and didn't ask for Devon to be at her house and then didn't ask for Devon to be in Miami with her 
and Roxanne shuts it down. She's like, oh, too bad. Devon is helping. Devon is here. Like, you'll deal with it. I, I, I don't know. I was so impressed with Brianna in this episode and her ability to criticize her mom, be open about how she felt about Devon in a way that made total sense to me, listen to her friends and their opinion, and then talk with Devon about it. As I said last week a few times, because I really felt strongly about it, it's so clear that the family just views Devon as like a cousin now and not as Brianna's ex-boyfriend. And I really liked being able to see the whole family kind of come around on that and come to terms with it. I think it was obviously a longer process for Brie because she has more of the baggage. But I don't know. I thought this was a great finale for Brie. I thought it was a really good way. T-Mom rarely does a good finale. It rarely wraps things up in any sort of way because, you know, we just, they'll be back. Like, none of their lives ever change. But I really did think that this was a great episode for Brianna. I appreciated her standing up to her mom, you know, in a way that didn't cause a fight. Maybe she didn't totally get her point across, but I thought she was clear with what she wanted. And I got where she was coming from with Devon and why she was frustrated because I didn't get it in the previous episode. And I thought she was being a little dramatic, but she was clearly able to explain herself. So Dre shows up. He seems so fucking nice he's laughing about wiping their asses he seems totally ready to help he's down to help and i wonder if they paid him to come i wonder if he got paid because he was on mtv and if they like paid him and basically gave him like a couple hundred dollars that'd be nice so brie's feeling a little better and they finally get out of the house and brie is complaining about devon she's like i don't get it like where why is he at the house where is he going and I do understand Brie has raised Nova, obviously not totally alone because she has her family's help, but without Devon, basically Nova's entire life, and now he shows up and wants to be a part of it, and I would only imagine how frustrating that is. But Dre is like, Devon needs help, and like, you need to help him, but only to a certain point. You know, you need to help him, and you want him to be better, so you should be there for him, but of course you should enable him. And if it doesn't work for you anymore, like, you should make him leave. Dre was just so rational in a way that is so fucking rare for us to see on Teen Mom from a man. We so rarely see a male have any sort of emotional intelligence on this show. I would say Joe sometimes displays it. I mean, I wouldn't really say Corey does. I think Corey is, like, financially and parentally pretty responsible, but we don't see him uh, display a lot of emotional intelligence. Gary, no way. I think, yeah, that was, like, a really rare glimpse of a man stepping up and saying the right thing, and I appreciated that. So, Bree is going home. She's doing a little better, and... We get a cute little scene of Devon and Brittany telling Nova that she has to do her homework. And Nova has the cutest little stink eye. And they're like, don't be mad at us. Like, you didn't bring your homework home. This is on you, girl. <laughs> and as soon as Brie walks through the door, Britt starts yelling, I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Uh, Nova holding Stella, guys, is so cute. Oh, I love it. I love it. So we get the sit down with Brie and Devon. In this, I really truly do believe in Bree's mind, Devon moved fully from ex-boyfriend, Nova's father, 
to family member that she wants to help. And, you know, the De Jesus women get a lot of shit. They live in a small apartment. They're poor. They're trashy. They're too codependent. And some of those things are true. They're absolutely too codependent. But you know what? Like, these women show up for each other. And they obviously show up for the people in their lives. And they are now letting Devon live with them. I mean, I don't know how long that lasted. But Bree and Devon sit down. And Bree's like, okay, so... Oh, I did miss one thing where Brittany looks at Bree's ass. And she goes, Bree, your ass doesn't look any different. (laughs) And Bree's like, it's still swollen. (laughs) Uh, so funny um so Bree and Devon sit down and Bree's like okay so what are your plans what's your goals and Devon's like look I do want to move out soon but I need first and last I only have first I need more money and Devon says he only partially has a job (laughs) he said you know I still have that one but it's too far I need serving money I'm he wants to get a serving job so he can have cash in hand which like fair enough and I did get, like, I would be very frustrated. I would not let some man who can't hold a job, like, live on my couch. But I think Brie had a moment of clarity there when she realized, like, this is a good way to facilitate a relationship with Nova and Devon. And Devon, I think he's just very nice. I would need to rewatch Team Mom 3, and I'm not going to hold his actions when he was, like, 17 against him. But he's just nice. You know, he says that he's really enjoyed his time there and that watching Stella has been, like, really wonderful because he totally missed out on that with Nova. And he's like, look, I know they're a package, one-two package. With Nova comes Stella. And he's just saying, like, it's so beautiful to watch. I mean, he didn't use the word beautiful, but he just likes seeing Stella's a baby and being part of Stella's life. And Brie starts crying and uses Nova's underwear to wipe her eyes, (laughs) which is just a classic teen mom scene. But I think that made Brie realize, like, she does want Devon to have a chance, and she does want what's best for Devon. Now, do I think Brie and Roxanne and Brittany should let Devon live on their couch indefinitely? Like, no, of course not. Devon's a grown man. Like, he needs to be responsible for himself. But I do think it's nice that they're giving Nova's father a chance to get on his feet. And they're really giving him the support he needs. Because I don't... It doesn't seem like Devon has that from anywhere else. So I appreciated it. And I just... I don't know. I found this scene very moving. I thought it was genuine. I think that is, for me, my favorite part of Bree's segments. Is that I find them to be pretty genuine. I did think her adoption storyline last night, last year was like not genuine and not great. But in general, I do find it genuine and nice. I definitely look forward to seeing another season of Brie. I cannot wait to see Brittany and Brie go at Kale. Look, I love trashy reality TV, and I'm not above enjoying a physical fight. If that's wrong, sue me. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www 
www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos and come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.